Did Baker Mayfield get too much blame for a close win against the Atlanta Falcons or did he get not enough credit for pulling out the victory in the first place? We dive deeper into Baker Mayfield's Week 14 performance on this episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to this episode of Locked on Bucks, your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Bucks your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting your podcast and you can become a Locked on Bucks insider, get text messages, news, updates, analysis, and more from James Yarko, my partner in crime. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Bucks to sign up. For that today, I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for BucksGameDay.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. We are here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers and everydayers. We want to share our appreciation for your continued support for the program. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked On NFL to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On today's episode of Locked On Bucks. We're talking about Todd after Coach Bowles' Monday press conference and stashing and trashing a few things, including uh, James is no longer trashing Chris Godwin's targets. But first, how good or bad was Baker Mayfield on Sunday? I have been covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in some way, shape, or form since 2015. James Winston's rookie year was my rookie year. And since then, I have come to learn for a fact that Buccaneers fans love one thing just as much maybe as they love winning, and that is arguing about quarterbacks. And that's not at all a dig or a slight. It is just an observation. It's part of what makes you guys great. It's part of what makes you guys frustrating at times, but it is part of what makes this fan base what this fan base is, and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. But there always seems to be a little bit of a slant, if we're being honest, towards a guy, towards a school, towards something else. So even with Brady, there were Bucks fans who absolutely hated the signing, refused to celebrate it even after the Super Bowl went. Don't get me wrong, I didn't really criticize it, but just kind of got quiet. You know what I mean? Then when the team failed to make a whole lot of noise in his last season, that's when those people started making a little bit of noise and, and patting themselves on the back for knowing that it would never work out. Personally, I would take one Super Bowl win and two non-Super Bowl seasons and three years with a quarterback in any, any stretch of time, but that's just me. Uh, it was no surprise then that there were some who felt we didn't criticize Baker Mayfield enough and then there were some who thought we put too much criticism on Baker Mayfield following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers close win over the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. And I will tell you from a journalistic standpoint, if we're getting criticized for giving too much credit or blame and we're getting criticized for not giving enough credit or blame, pretty much means we're driving it right down the middle and staying even kills we're supposed to. But I decided that with all of the, the conversation, I wanted to turn on the all 22 and give you all an honest review of Baker Mayfield's play, as honest as I can give you, and I'm sure that nobody will question my integrity or claim that I have some sort of slant or I'm violating some sort of ethical uh, treatment in, in doing this. So here we go. Um, basically, what I did is I went through the tape, and I'm going to give you a, a as much of a play-by-play breakdown of Baker Mayfield as I can. We are limited by time on this episode. We do have some other things to get to, but I'm going to give you just, just straight-up analysis. There's There's no opinion. Uh, here whatsoever. Mayfield's final stat line, 14 for 29, 144 yards, two touchdowns, sacked one time, three carries, three yards, one touchdown. In my fantasy league, 
that would have got you 23 and a half points, which is solid. You take that any week uh, of the season if you can get that out of your quarterback. But let's get into the nitty gritty. Here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to assign a plus or a minus for every single play. No pushes. We're picking sides here. There is no there's no tie. There's no draw. And for every two pluses, he's getting a number bump for every two minuses. He's getting a number drop. Now, I may have to finish this in segment two. We will see. I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to get through this in one segment. Touchdowns are a full number bump. Turnovers are a full number drop. So we're starting at three. Baker Mayfield scored three touchdowns. He had no turnover. So boom, one, two, three. We're already at three. An equal amount of good and bad plays would give him zero. That's not average. That just means you had a very equal number of good and bad plays. How you accept quarterback play, I'm going to leave that up to you. I'm just going to give you the raw data. So the more we get over zero, the better he did. The more we get below zero, the worse he did. It's pretty simple in that avenue. Again, how far above zero you need it to be to be considered good, that's on you. How far you need it to be below zero, that's on you. Since this is the first time we're doing this, we really don't have a baseline. We don't have a benchmark. We don't have an average. So you got to take it with a grain of salt uh, as we do this whole thing. So let's start with the runs uh, because there's only three of them. And so they're going to be easier to break down. I can go a little bit more in depth. And, uh, you know, we, we can get a little bit of a score going into the pass plays uh, coming up here. So the first run of the game for Baker Mayfield came on a third and four. They're at the Atlanta 39-yard line. I'm giving this play a plus for Baker Mayfield. It's a scramble play. It's not a designed run. It is a scramble. Uh, he doesn't miss any wide open uh, receivers, any open receivers in general. Gets out of gets out of a sack after tight end Kate Otten. Gets beat on the outside by a pass rusher, which is good. Uh, it's good that he gets beat on the outside, by the way. You never want to get beat inside. Getting beat on the outside allows Baker to step up, shed the shed the contact. Uh, he ends up gaining two yards. Not a successful play, right? Third and four successful play would be a first down. So it's not a successful play, but it is a good play by Baker Mayfield, given the circumstances. That's a plus. So we're at a three plus. We have the three touchdowns, one, two, three. Now we got a plus. So it's a three plus. If he gets another plus, then we move up to four. That's how this is going to work, right? Run number two, second one, at second one at the Atlanta one, it's a read option. And honestly, he should have given that thing to Rashad White. If he's reading that defensive end the way he's supposed to, he gives that thing to Rashad White. Rashad White likely gets into the end zone with much less trouble. But Baker decides to keep it. Not a great decision. He is able, however, to shed, shed that edge defender, Caden Ellis. Uh, he outmuscles Jesse Bates for the touchdown, which is really impressive. Bad read. Good result, so you get a plus for that. We're at a four. Run number three. It's first and ten. Tampa Bay nine is not really a run, but it's counted as a run. Like, that's what uh, the NFL Jesus folks uh, decided to count it as a run. First and ten, Tampa Bay nine. It's a bad snap by Robert Hainsey. Good reflexes by Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's about as tall as I am, and uh, I can tell you that getting up and, and batting down a pass or a snap like that, not easy to do. Saves the ball from sailing over his head. Rashad White ends up picking it up, doing what he can with it. That gets a plus as well because, again, we're looking at just Baker. Obviously, the play is not successful. Obviously, the, the snap is not successful. The play gets dead or it is basically aborted right off the bat. But we like what Baker did on the play, so it gives you a plus. So now we start off at, at three, three touchdowns after three runs. Each of them is a plus. So we go from three to three plus. Then we go from three plus to four. Now we got four plus after the three Runs. That is how we're going to do it. So those are the run plays. We're done with those. Now we're going to dive into the passes, and then we're going to stash and trash like we do every single week. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry where you're buying your tickets to your next big event. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, 
Views from your seat and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. They've got it all. And it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you the complete peace of mind you need with your purchase. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. And game time even has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after some events start. It's the place to find last minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use the promo code Locked On NFL. You'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create your account. Redeem the code Locked On NFL. L O C K E D O N N F L for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks again for being a Locked On Bucks. Your first listener, first view today and every day. Every day, thanks for coming through on a regular basis like you do. Locked On is launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. We can't give you every single pass plus or minus because we just don't have time. But I will give you some of the highlights, some of the lowlights, and explain some of this. So we are at a 4-plus when we come out of the runs, right? So first pass of the game is a plus, so we're up to five there. Pass number two is also a plus. This one I remember watching it in the game real time. Uh, the first read on this play is to Chris Godwin running on a seam on the right side of the field with a trail defender and a safety coming over top on either side of him. Uh, Jesse Bates is splitting deep coverage on Godwin and Evans, both on the right side of the field. And honestly, it looks enticing. When you look at it first blush, you kind of say, that thing is open, but Mayfield wisely checks it down for a positive gain on second and eight to bring up third and five. If he tries to squeeze that in, thing in there, best case scenario, Chris Godwin is going up for a contested catch. He's getting hit in the air, and that thing could, could go any which way. Um, so he makes a smart play, and he gains the yards, and he sets up a very, very manageable third and five. It was a very smart play by Baker Mayfield. Gets a plus there. Pass number three also gets a plus. Pass number four gets a plus. So first four passes of the game, we're throwing pluses on all of those, including the third pass or fourth pass of the game, which was actually an incompletion but not because of Baker Mayfield. Baker makes a good read, good throw, puts it right where Trey Palmer needs it with that defender uh, in coverage. Trey just has to come down uh, with the ball and doesn't. So four pluses uh, to start us off. First minus of the of the game for Baker Mayfield is the fifth pass of the game. Uh, it's first and 10. Evans is running a quick hitter inside release against A.J. Terrell. He wins, but Baker Mayfield is late on the pass, doesn't get it in front of Evans enough, instead throws it up the field uh, a little bit, and that allows A.J. Terrell to get a hand in and break it up. So that is Baker's first negative of the game. Pass number six is also a minus. Uh, he's got his primary open for a left boundary deep ball, but he passes up to throw up the middle uh, of the field. It's just crowded because both Evans and Godwin are right next to each other, which means someone ran a wrong route. And that's not Mayfield's fault, but it is Baker Mayfield's fault that he threw it into that much traffic instead of hitting his, his boundary receiver, who is single covered, had space up the field. Doesn't guarantee that it's going to be completed, but that's where you need to go with the ball. So that's his next minus. Uh, then from there, we got four pluses, seven, eight, nine, and 10 are all pluses. Pass number 10 is a minus for blocking uh, on Kate Otten, but that's not Baker Mayfield's fault. So we got four pluses in a row. Then we got a negative play on pass number 11. He takes a deep shot to Chris Godwin. That needs to be on his outside shoulder. He leaves it on the inside shoulder. So that's a that's a, that's a a bad mark for Baker there. Pass number 12, uh, he was just slow in his progression. Leads to a pressure, leads to a rollout, incompletion on third down, and that is kind of a string of negatives in there. Play number 13 is another negative. He uh, the, the decision to come back to Coke Keith, great. Love it. Absolutely love it. The minus is because the ball was way too far 
behind a guy like Koki. If he tried to fastball it for no reason, and honestly, I saw a few plays where Baker was just trying to put so much mustard on it that he caused himself or cost himself some accuracy. So that's another uh, negative play there. Play 14, a minus play 15 uh, or pass 15 is a minus. He passes up a wide open. Mike Evans goes somewhere else with the ball, comes out incomplete. Pass number 16 is a plus 17 is a minus plus eight pass. 18 is the plus screen pass touchdown uh, to Rashad white. 19 is a plus. So after 19 passes, we've got 10 passes left to get to 29. We've gone from a five, which is where we started to a 4.5 or a 4.4 or four plus because of that string of negative plays uh, there from specifically from uh, where was it? Uh, pass number 11 to pass number 17 out of those plays. We only had one positive. The rest of those were negative. So we entered the last 10 passes of the game for Baker Mayfield at a four plus when we started at uh, or we're at a five rather than we started at a four plus. So still gaining but not as much as you would like. Pass number 20 is a positive play. Pass 21 is a negative play. Pass up a wide open Mike Evans again. Eight yards downfield this time for a deep shot to Cade Otten, who was on a linebacker, which if that's a running back or receiver, I got it. But that's a linebacker on Cade Otten, and the linebacker's in phase. This isn't a route where Cade Otten just has his dude beat. Uh, this is this, it's, a, it's a very bad decision uh, for Baker Mayfield to pass that up. Pass number 22 is another minus at 32 opportunities. I'm being facetious, but he had 30. He had a bunch of opportunities to either hit the flat, which is where his progression was, or hit Evans, who's wide open from the right hash. But he waits so long and throws it so far across the field that he ends up leaving Mike Evans out of bounds. That's a bad play by Baker Mayfield. Pass number 23 is a positive. 24 is a minus. Uh, passes up his primary drag route, looks right at it, it's wide open, decides to throw high to Chris Godwin in traffic, uh, almost gets Godwin's clock cleaned, uh, it falls incomplete. Just not a good decision there from Baker. 25, 26, 27 are also all minuses. 27 specifically is way, way too far outside when Godwin breaks in. Possible that Chris Godwin ran the wrong route, but I don't know that, so I have to communicate off the play that we see. That's why he gets a minus four. Pass number 28 is a positive. It's the best throw that I've honestly ever seen Baker Mayfield make. Uh, running out of time, third and 10, uh, down three points, throws to a spot that not only connects with Chris Godwin, but literally throws him open. When you talk about throwing a guy open, there's no better example of doing that than that play right there. It's an absolutely beautiful play by Baker Mayfield. A big plus on that one. Pass 29 is a plus. It's a touchdown pass to Kate Otten that ends up getting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the win. So after the passes, we get out of the runs. We're at a four plus. We start the passes. We go from four plus to five before the last 10 passes. After the last 10 passes, we are back down to a four. So he's got a four overall there. Remember, we are, are we have already counted the touchdowns. So don't don't come at me and say, well, you got to count those touchdowns. We did count the touchdowns. Uh, the sack. You might think that a sack is going to be a minus for the quarterback, especially when uh, the ball, the clock has been ticking a little bit. But actually, that's a really good play by the Atlanta Falcons defense. I give Baker Mayfield a plus for the sack. Now, the broadcast pointed out that Trey Palmer came open at one point. Well, so did Mike Evans. The problem is by the time Trey Palmer comes open, Baker Mayfield's already under duress, trying to avoid multiple Falcons who are trying to sack him. When Evans comes open, Baker Mayfield's not there in the progression. Uh, if a dude is open, but the quarterback's not there in progression, it doesn't matter that he's open and you can't hold that against the quarterback. Mayfield does all you can uh, to, to, esca to escape and turn a five, turns a five-yard sack into a two-yard sack. Uh, that's really all you can do. Evans should have honestly been the primary there. So again, I don't know if Canales called the play and called the primary elsewhere. I don't know if Mayfield made that decision on his own. Whoever made the decision for Mike Evans on the drag to not be the primary, to me, that's where the play went wrong. I don't know who made that call, so I have to give Baker Mayfield the credit 
for escaping some of the pressure that he did and not ding him for Mike Evans not being the primary because I don't know if that's a decision that he made or not. So at the end of all of that, we end up with a four plus. That is the grade that I'm giving Baker Mayfield. Zero biases, zero influences, play for play, watching the snap, watching the progression, watching the development of the play where he could have gone to the ball, should have gone to the ball, all that stuff. And no, if a guy came open somewhere that he's not looking, it doesn't count. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ding this guy for not being psychic or having eyes surrounding his head, guys. It's just not gonna happen. So that's the grade. If it's good to you, then he did well. If it's not good enough, then he didn't do good enough. So that's that's how we're gonna leave that. Hopefully that is acceptable. Stash and trash time. We only have time for James's stashes and trashes. So that's what we're gonna do here. Uh, James is stashed Zion McCollum. I second that big time as cornerback number two. James is saying that even after Jamel Dean returns, Zion McCollum should remain the starter. He has earned that spot with his play. And even though you shouldn't lose your starting job because of an injury, tell Alex Gonzalez that Indianapolis Colts fans will know what I'm talking about. Zion McCollum's play is superior to Jamel Dean's, according to James. More passes defense, more tackles, more forced fumbles, more tackles for loss. He's had as many pass breakups against the Falcons as Jamel Dean had all season. Uh, look, Zion's McCollum, Zion McCollum's college coach said on this very show that it would take a little while for him to get comfortable, get his legs under him at the NFL level. And it appears that that is what's happening and everything is starting to click. I can second that because I interviewed the dude and that's exactly what he told us. Not calling him a pro bowler or anything like that, but the defense is better off and the Bucks have a better chance to win when Zion McCollum is on the field right now compared to Jamel Dean. So that is James's stash. The trash is Evan's game or Godwin's game. Chris Godwin finished with 11 targets, which is great, versus Mike Evans, who finished with six, who's not as great. Yes, pass attempts per game are down compared to the last three years, but there's no reason why only one of those two players should dominate the target share while the other one is essentially left out of the game plan. The Falcons did a good job bracketing Evans, and A.J. Terrell did a good job on him most of the game, but there were opportunities, that w- and the ball went elsewhere, and I just got done breaking down some of those opportunities. Again, the drag route on the sack. Baker's eyes are to the right. Mike Evans is open to the left. I'm not going to ding him on that, but there were other opportunities that Mike Evans was open for, wide open for, had opportunities for, and Baker Mayfield simply did not get him the ball. Whether it was by design, whether it was by Baker's decision, uh, didn't get him the ball. But if he's looking at him, like if you're looking at the dude and he's open, you got to give him the ball, man. Happened last week on a reverse. Godwin had three targets. Evans had 12, and it's been a running theme all season long. Both of these guys are good. Both of these guys can eat. James says he realized at this point it probably isn't going to change. I'm pretty much on the same boat, but it needs to. Don't sacrifice the opportunity to get one of your best players involved by by only getting one of them involved. Use both of these guys equally uh, as much as possible. But either way, you need to be feeding these guys the ball. Absolutely. Agree with James. Like everything that he said. Did we like everything that Todd Bowles had to say in his Monday press conference? Talking about Todd coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Whenever the game clock stops, it's time to order in with DoorDash. Why root for your favorite favorite team on an empty stomach? You wouldn't do it in the stadium. Don't do it at home. Order on DoorDash now and save on your football watch party favorites. You can get pizza, wings, sodas, burgers, all on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Speaking of wings, I wanted wings for Monday night football, so I ordered from It's Just Wings. It's a, it's a very creative name. I love it. It's Just Wings here in Winchester, Virginia. Got my order. And it's sitting right here. As soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to flip on Monday Night Football. I'm going to hammer some wings, 
while I edit this episode. Get prepared for game day and stock up. Even if you order before kickoff, it'll be there in time. If you order right before kickoff, it'll get there in time. If you order by halftime, you'll be able to munch on that stuff during the mid-third quarter to early fourth quarter. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order after you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKED23. Don't forget that promo code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. all this episode talking about Todd. Todd Bowles met with the media on Monday as he always does after games and uh, it's always a little bit better when you come in after wins. He was asked why there were only nine players on the field when Atlanta Falcons running back Bijan Robinson scored. Todd Bowles said quote, Will Golson got hurt a little bit before that and it did not get back to the coaches in time. So that happened with one and then we had someone come off the field on the other one. End quote. Here is what I'm going to say. Uh, look, I don't expect Todd Bowles to get up there and just say, this guy messed up, that guy messed up. It was terrible. But the truth of the matter is, guys, uh, there's some dudes on the sideline there that messed up, and they messed up pretty, pretty bad. I promise you this. There is not one person whose job it is to make sure that there are 11 dudes on the field. There's not one person whose job it is to make sure that there are the right amount of people on the field. Like, Do you see the amount of headsets that are on an NFL sideline? There's a reason. The reason for all those headsets is those all those people need to be on the same page with what is happening on the field. And the reason they need to be on the same page is because they all have a role. There are people on the sideline. There are people up in the booth. There are people all over an NFL stadium. I can't tell you exactly where the Buccaneers station there is, but none of this is a single point of failure. Like there is no time Will Golston steps off the field because he's hurt. And well, it's up to Will to go tell the coach, hey, I'm hurt. I can't go in. And now that one coach has to make sure a replacement comes in. No, like there's a defensive line coach. There are assistant coaches. There are quality control coaches. There's medical staff. There's coordinators. I mean, there are so many people involved in making sure that there are 11 people on the field uh, at all times. It is it is it is amazing that things happen, these things happen as, as often as they do, to be quite honest with you, because there are too many checks and balances in place for something like this to happen. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, somebody or somebody's got their butts chewed uh, for that happening. So good on Todd Bowles for the answer, because I totally get it. You're not going to throw your guy under the bus. But I promise you guys, there are multiple people who are supposed to not let that happen. And uh, I, I don't I doubt they let it happen again, because you, you get your butt chewed for that one time. You pretty much don't want to have that ever happen. Uh, again, next question on why he showed more emotion than usual on the sidelines this Sunday compared to other games. Todd Bowles said, quote, it's playoff time. We have to go high level game, high level emotions. End quote. Here's here's my thing about emotion. Um, and, you know, every coach is different. right? Every coach has their style. And, and the thing I will always say about leadership styles is never be fake. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm about to say, I believe in. But I'm also going to say, first and foremost, never be fake, because if you're fake, people know it. And, and your players are going to know it, your coaches are going to know it. Everybody's going to know it. Uh, so don't go out there and be fake. But there, there is there is a school of thought amongst NFL coaches, NBA coaches, leadership just in general, that emotion is bad. The showing emotion is bad. The showing emotion shows on instability. It shows the, the tendency to panic. It shows chaos. It shows all these things. Here's what I will tell you. They're just like everything else in life. There is a too far left limit and a too far right limit. And no, I'm not talking about right and left the way we always talk about right and left. I'm just giving an example. There is a such thing as too much energy 
Okay, I'll give you that. All right. But there's also such thing as not enough energy. And some of these NFL head coaches, I don't know names, but some of these NFL head coaches are I, you you look at them on the sideline, they they don't even like football. Like you may not like your job all the time because these dudes work 90 hours a week. They're it's grueling, it's unhealthy, they're never sleeping, they're never with their families. And if you're getting your butt kicked on top of it, and everybody's talking about what you want, they want you fired and all this other stuff, it kind of makes it hard to deal with, right? But at least in the game, like at, when we're at the game, right? We're not talking about practice. We're not talking about practice, we're talking about the game. At least when it's game time, that should be fun time. You know what I mean? Um, like, I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes we roll up to do these shows, and I'm like, bro, I am tired. It's not that I don't love y'all. It's not that I don't love Locked On Bucks. It's just sometimes I'm tired, man. We work a lot. We watch a lot of tape. We write a lot of articles. Like, for this Baker Mayfield thing, I know there's already comments down here that's like, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. This dude's a Baker hater. This dude's a Baker homer. Y'all don't even know how many hours I spent breaking down that Baker Mayfield tape just for someone who didn't watch the Baker Mayfield tape to go, ah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's part of the job, so you get it. But when it's time to turn on the camera, like right now I'm talking to you, this is fun. The passion comes back. When I go to the stadium and I check in and I see the players warming up and I see the fans excited in the stands, it's fun. That's the time you tune in. You tap into the fun because you need to hold on to that in order to make the sometimes grueling part of the job better. Some coaches don't show that side of it. And I think it bleeds down to the players. The players need to understand that it's okay to show passion in this game. It's okay to have feelings about this game because that's what this game is all about. Again, not going to say names, but just because it kind of came up and something that I thought about quite often, uh, I think more coaches should so show some of that emotion. But again, if it's not in your nature, it's not in your nature. Don't go out there trying to be fake. Don't go out there trying to fake the funk just because you think you guys want it. You know what I mean? If you if you don't have it in you, you don't have it in you. It is what it is. What it also is is going to be Wednesday, and Evan Klosky is going to be back with James Jarko. WTSP Wednesday coming. In the meantime, if you've got questions or comments, leave them in the YouTube comments section. Hit James up by texting him. Go to joinsubtext.com slash locked on bucks, or you can always come through for the next episode and see if you can catch us in the live chat. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, fire the cannons. We'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Bucks, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.